Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from His letter that He wrote to us. God bless you. Welcome into this episode of Humans Under Grace Bible Study. We're going to get ready. We're going to take back off in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. Now, to kind of just catch you up on where we're at at this point, Abram has gone out against five kingdoms, and he had 318 men, and his 318 men, through God's blessings, defeated these kingdoms. And took all the took, took, got all the people out, got all the spoil back. But remember, Abram said, "I will not take a thing from these kings." The king of Sodom came out and told him he could have whatever spoil he wanted and all that. And he said, "I don't want none of your stuff. God's the one that blesses me." And so he knows right then, through all of this, that it's not the blessings of man, or that it's not his works, or that it's not anything of earthly doing that is blessing him. It's God's blessings, and that's the way to be. Know that God is, he's the one that provides everything, and and bless God, and he'll bless you. So we're going to ask for that uh, understanding and clarity as we get into Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, and verse 1 reads, After these things the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Now, you might remember in Ephesians chapter 6, the the armor that we're supposed to put on and have in place, the, the shield is that shield of faith. And through all this that Abram has done so far, we see that his faith is very great. And our faith, every day that we study what the Word says, that faith come by hearing, and hearing come, cometh by the Word of God. And so through studying this Word and getting deeper in this Word, we understand things better, and our faith grows. Verse 2, And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house, this Eliezer of Damascus. So what he's saying here is, I don't have a child of my own, so then the the inheritance is going to go to this steward, this this basically an adopted type of, of person here, a really good really loving friend and everything. And he said, everything's going to go to him whenever I die. Verse 3, And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. So that's this this child, this adopted one, is the heir, not one of his own, own, own loins. Uh, verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he shall come forth out of thine own bowels, shall shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad, and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall be thy seed. He said, Your your family, your posterity is going to be as much, it's going to be the multitude of the stars of the sky. Huge. Verse 6, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. You know, that ought to kind of pop your mind over to John chapter 3, verse 16, 
where it said, For God, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whomsoever shall believeth upon him shall receive eternal life. It's counted to righteousness to believe upon him. It's that faith. Verse 7, And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, uh, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me an heifer of three years old, now count these, a she-goat of three years old, a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove and a pigeon. That's five different animals. Now in the, Hebrew, in the biblical numerics, five is grace. So this is God making this covenant with Abraham, or with Abram, and it's this grace, this unmerited favor that he's given. It's going to be an unconditional covenant that just believing upon him, eventually this will lead down to Christ. And just by believing upon him, we enter into that covenant of grace given to us by Christ on the cross. Verse 10, And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each one, each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. So he kind of he he cut them in half and set them, basically kind of made a trail through this thing where you could walk between them, walk between the corpses. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. So see, these carcasses were the sacrifice to God. Now, as as it says in Hosea chapter six, verse six, God don't want our burnt offerings or our sacrifices; He wants our love. You know, he created the animals, and any time he wants to to smell an animal burn, he could go down there and, and zap it with some lightning and smell the burn of it. But what he didn't create, he created us, but he can't make us love him. So for us to give him that love is more than anything that we can possibly give him that he's already created, because that's something he can't control. So what Abram's doing here is that these carcasses belong to God. They're God's sacrifice. And these fowls are coming in trying to take it away. Now, if you kind of, if you look at around the world today, you see that, you know, with this word, it's kind of nitpicked. You've got vultures and ravens that come in and nitpick it down and just pick it apart to where you, there's so much confusion that you can't hardly get anything out of it. It's our job as Christians, as part of the body of Christ, to stand up and make sure that God's word's not picked apart, to dig deep and to stand firm, that his true word goes forth, and that it don't just get disintegrated and taken away. Verse 12, And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. Now this is Abram getting put in this sleep so that he has no part in this covenant being made. This is all God's doing. Verse 13, and he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. That should pop you to the Exodus. They were in Egypt for four hundred four hundred years. I believe it was 434 with a little bit of correction in there. But anyway, it was four hundred years. Verse 14, And also that nation whom they shall serve, will I judge. And afterwards they shall come out with great substance. Now you remember the plagues. God put the plagues on Egypt. He judged them pretty harshly. But he did that to make them turn to them. 
You see, Pharaoh might have let him go pretty quick, but God kept hardening his heart to where the Egyptian people would quit following their, their idols and turn to God and worship God. That, that was the whole purpose of that, was trying to make them see, hey, your idols aren't doing this. I am the God. I'm the creator of this universe. Turn to me. Trust in me. Don't trust in this figure that you've got stood up here. And then whenever they came out of the Egypt, on their way out, after the Passover, on their way out, they were given all types of things, all types of cattle, all types of jewelry, earrings, all kind of stuff. So whenever they left out, they were much richer than they were when they began. Verse 15, And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. So Abram's going Abram's to have a good long life, and he's going to be buried, and he's, it's, it's going to be just peaceful. Verse 16, But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. So you got to remember these Amorites are those hybrid, these hybrid nations, basically. These nations that are in Canaan right now, we've discussed it before, are this second influx. And they're going to get wicked, and their idolatries are going to get wicked. But that's going to allow God to be able to come through and cleanse this land. When it's full of wickedness, God, the plan was for God to cleanse this land ahead of the Israelites coming out of Egypt. Now, this fourth generation, if you look at this, they went in as Israel was alive. Israel went into Egypt. He, he followed uh, Jacob down. And then from, Eden, from Israel, you have Levi, Kohath, Amram, and then Moses. That's that fourth generation from the time that they were there. Verse 17. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those two pieces. Now, this could be symbolic of that pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night, or that cloud of smoke that, that led the Egyptians out, or the Hebrews out of Egypt. And this is all this prophecy concerning your children are going to go into Egypt. They're going to be there. They're going to be enslaved, but it's going to be okay. It's for their betterment. And I'm going to bring them out. They're going to be rich, and, we, and you're going to get this promised land. Verse 18, And in the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt unto the river, the, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, and the Cadmonites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Raphims, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Now, Verse 19, the Kenites. I know we've discussed that before, but that's a very important one to remember because the Kenites, in your Strong's Concordance, you can go to number Hebrew number 7017, I believe, that goes back to the primitive root, 7014, and it is the children of Cain or the patronage of Cain. Whereas the Raphims are after the guy, after the patriarch named Rapha, which was a hybrid, and then the same with the Canaanites, and um, these are just, they're, they're hybrid nations is what these are, and if you count them, there are 10 of them, and that kind of plays a whole lot into future prophecy, where there are seven heads and 10 crowns, it's these 10 crowns right here 
that God is making way, and he's going to allow them to build up, but then at the same time, he's going to come back through and wipe them all out. All right, moving on into chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaiden, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. Hagar means to fly or flight. We're going to see that happen. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. Now this kind of, this probably, you know, this day and time, that sounds real strange, and it's not very acceptable. But at this, whenever this happened, it was just a, it was a thing. It was kind of an old law. It was acceptable back then. And verse 3, And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and he gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived, and she saw that she had conceived, or when she saw she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes, so it's kind of this thing, you know, all through the, the down through the years and, and all the way back, it's kind of, it's a blessing to be able to conceive. And, and at the same time, people look at it as a curse not to be. So whenever she saw that she had conceived and this whole time Sarah couldn't, well, then she's kind of getting a little haughty. You know, she's kind of, it's a, uh, despised might be a little strong, but probably what it is, is a little bit of, yeah, look what I can do. Yeah, I'm blessed. What about you? You know, kind of looking down on her. Uh, verse 5, And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid unto thy bosom, and when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord be the Lord judge between me and thee. Now, this thee here should have probably been translated between me and her, is what it should be. Kind of saying Abram wasn't a part in it. But at the same time, I don't see anywhere, we didn't read anywhere through there that there was any kind of big fuss of him not trying to go on with it. He kind of somewhat just volunteered and, you know, he didn't fuss too much about it. He, he kind of seems he was just pleased to go on about what she was telling him to do. Verse 6, But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth, as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. Now, this dealt hardly, it was, so in the old law, they were forbidden of selling their servants. At the same time, to get one to leave, you know, just like what Sarai would have done right here, instead of beating her or selling her or anything, she just put a heavier burden on her, made her do more stuff, and maybe was a little demeaning to her, um which would cause her to just be miserable and want to run away, basically fulfill her namesake, to fly. And here she's, we see that she made her flight. In verse 7, And the angel of the Lord found her by the fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, whence comest thou? And whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself unto her hands. Now, you know, this is just pretty well 
God's just bringing common sense to it. That's your mistress. You know, you got a you got a little little haughty. You got a little uh, out of out of sorts. So just kind of go back. Hey, it'll it'll work out. Just be calm. Just go back to doing what you were doing before she conceived, and you know it, it it'll all be forgiven. Verse ten. And the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for the for multitude. Now, why would he multiply her seed exceedingly? Because he had promised Abram that his seed was going to be multiplied. Well, this is his child in her belly. So therefore, that promise is also going to go through this child. Verse 11. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And the name Ishmael does mean uh, whom the Lord hears, or the Lord has heard. Verse 12, and he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And if you look down through history, you can see that this is, this is true. This has come to pass. Uh, that's just, well, that's probably enough said on that. But anyway, that is, you can look around the world today and see what's going on here and see where the wild men are. Verse 13, And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Probably This is probably better translated, I've looked at him and lived. You know, it goes with the old, with, with the saying, no, you can't see the face of God and live. But she looked upon the angel of the Lord, which is God manifest in, in a way that we can see him. And she's going to live to tell the tale. So that's what she's saying. Wherefore the well was called Berlehiah Roy. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Berid. Now this Berlehiah Roy means the well of living after seeing. Something interesting about this word Kadesh right here is it means holy, but in a Smith's Bible dictionary, you can look it up, and it's a place not too far from modern Palestine. And it's believed to be around the area somewhat of Jerusalem today. Uh, the the name Kadesh, as I said, means holy. The name Bered means hell, H-A-I-L. So here again, you kind of see a future sense of in Ezekiel, I believe it's Ezekiel chapter 38, God said that he would take out the those who rise against him with hailstones being a talent. Now, a talent is between 120 and 180 pounds. So I would definitely call that holy hell. All right, so verse 15, And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. He was 86 years old. Now we're going to kind of continue on in this uh, into chapter 17, verse 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, so 99 years old, we've, we've jumped uh, 13 years here. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the mighty, the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant with thee between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. So this walk before me and be perfect. That means basically mature up. Now, I'm not saying Abram wasn't mature, but it means if we walk in his ways, if we study this word and we study deeper than just the milk, 
then we'll mature up and get in the meat. And the meat is where true growth comes from. You know, it's just like a child, whenever they are nursing on their mom, they grow little by little, and then they get on foods, you know, the, the, the softer foods, and they start growing a little better, and then they get on the good, the good protein-filled foods, and they'll shoot up. They'll get big in a hurry. And it's the same thing with God's Word. Verse 3, And Abram fell on his face, and God, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Now let's take this just for a minute. Inasmuch as Eve is the mother of all living through Christ, because through her womb would come Christ eventually, also Abram being the father of many nations is because of this lineage down to Christ. You see, through Christ, you are engrafted into the bosom of Abraham. And so this is that blessing, that covenant, that eternal covenant that God made with Abraham, that through him would come this Christ child. And through that Christ child, you have everlasting life. Verse 5, Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. So Abram in the Hebrew means uh high father or exalted father, someone to look up to. Whereas Abraham, all he did, he put an H in the middle of this Abram and turned it to Abraham. And that means father of many nations. An interesting thing about the H in Hebrew is it's the fifth letter. And again, five is grace. So we see that the grace of God, that unmerited favor, he's made with through that unmerited favor, he made this covenant with Abraham to bless him and his seed throughout all their generations, whoever should believe on God. Verse 6, And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. Well, we had King David come from him, King Saul come out of him, all the kings of Israel and, and the northern tribes and, the, and Judah and Benjamin well, they all came from Israel, which would come from Abraham. But then also we had the king of kings, the Lord of lords come out of Abraham's loins. In the flesh, that is. Verse 7, And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art, a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now in, I believe it's the book of Hosea, there are two names. There's Ami and Lo-Ami. And then there is Rohama and Lo-Rohama. That Lo means not. So you've got my people and not my people, and loved and not loved. And that's what he's saying right here is, I will be their God, and they will be my people. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you, and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you. Every man-child in your generations, he that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger, 
which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house and he that is bought with the money must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the circumcised and the uncircumcised man-child, whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. All right, so just a, just a note on circumcision. Romans chapter 2, verse 29 tells us that circumcision is no longer of the flesh but of the heart. Now, why would that be? It's because Christ died on the cross. We're going to turn over to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to go into this just a little bit. Because the blood ordinances were, are no longer... Christ shed all the blood that needed to be shed for one in all times. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So don't go back into sacrificing cows or the blood ordinances of these things that were of animals or of like this circumcision that's just this piece of skin because Christ was the perfect sacrifice. He's the one that became our Passover and he's the one that his blood covers us. And if you decide that you need to go back to these blood ordinances, you're saying that he wasn't good enough, but this animal out here is. Uh, They don't cut it. Verse 2. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. And what that's saying is that if you believe that the sacrifice is going to be this covenant, is going to continue this covenant along, well, then you're not believing that Christ fulfilled his bargain, his end of the deal, that he would come and be the sacrifice for one at all times. Verse 3, For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. So if you're gonna if you're gonna follow the law, then you've got to do the whole law. And you're dependent on works, you're not dependent on that grace from God through Christ. Verse four Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. So what he's getting across here is at that time, a lot of people were fighting over this. Oh, well, you're not circumcised. You're not good enough. Oh, well, you're circumcised. You just might be a little better than somebody else. Well, it really don't matter. Christ died for us on the cross, and that's what matters is to believe upon him. Now, if you if you want to practice circumcision for hygiene purposes, for, for medical reasons, that's great. But to do it as far as trying to fulfill the law through works, that won't work because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And we have to believe upon Christ that his blood covered us. And through that, we gain that remission of sins. All right, back in Genesis, I'm going to pick it up back at verse 15. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, Thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and give thee a son of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abram fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him 
that is a hundred years old, and shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear. Now this laugh, this is a joyful laugh. This isn't a laughing of disbelief. It is just ecstatic. He's just so excited. He's, I mean, this is a miracle. He's a hundred years old and he's going to have this child. Verse 18, and Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And Isaac means laughter. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. And that's what Ishmael means, remember. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. You might remember also, coming up whenever we get to Israel, he will have twelve sons, or Jacob will have twelve sons. So you see the, the two lines, just as Adam and Cain's line, were very similar. Well, these two lines also are very similar between Isaac and Ishmael. And also these great nations, this is believed to be where the Arabic nations came from, is from, the, from Ishmael and his twelve sons. Verse 21, But my covenant will, es- will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto you, or unto thee, at this time, set time in the next year. So a year from now, you're going to have a son. And, and he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. And Abraham took Ishmael his son, and all that were born in his house, and all that were brought, bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the selfsame day as God had said unto him. And Abraham was ninety years old and nine when he circumcised his flesh of the foreskin, ninety-nine. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. In the selfsame day was Abraham circumcised and Ishmael, his son. On the same day, they, they both got it done. 27. And all the men of his house, born in the house and bought with the money of the stranger, were circumcised with him. Now, something interesting about this, you know, many people would say that, or, or if you look at it through Jewish tradition, on the eighth day, is when uh, babies are circumcised. Now, the Ishmaelites and Arabians, they still to this day circumcise their young men at 13 years old. So this is, these are traditions that are still passed down that prove this word. Now, we'll pick it up here in chapter 18 in the next study. God bless you and have a great day. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, you can go to our website at www.humansundergrace.com and under the Contact Us page, submit your question. Also, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas 75691. Thank you and God bless you.